What strikes me at first, especially at this time of year and peak fall colors, is how quiet it is. Quiet except for the wind that sets the aspen leaves quaking, a deep gold against the soft blue sky, gray clouds hanging near the summits, a mosaic of yellow and dark green. I work my way between a series of lakes, Minor, Bingshik, Honker, Glee, Fay, and War Club, and I momentarily get lost, shooting confidently right down a portage that ends at the water's edge, then having to shoot right back up. When I return to the intersection and see the blue ribbons pointing the way, I realize everything looks the same, making it nearly impossible to tell which way to go, even when I'm pretty sure it's right. Established in the 1930s as a route to a fire tower, the Kekakabic Trail, or the Kek, is a 41-mile portion of the North Country Trail and runs through the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. That's a unique environment of thousands upon thousands of glacier-created lakes deep in the boreal forest. With the start and end on the Gunflint Trail near Grand Marais and off Fernberg Road near Ely, I put off walking the Keck for years because it's incredibly inconvenient to get to. Around five hours from my home in St. Paul, then about a four and a half hour drive between trailheads. Because it's part of the Boundary Waters, you need a permit to hike in this wilderness of moose, wolf, bear, and beaver habitat. And it's notoriously difficult to follow, mostly because its remoteness makes it difficult to maintain. After the Keck's heyday in the 70s, the trail fell into disrepair until volunteers established a club 20 years later. But severe blowdowns as recent as 2016, with 100 mile per hour straight line winds, took down millions of trees and left the trail a jumble of impassable limbs. Only last year was the trail cleared end to end, and I feel pretty confident I can handle it though I've got some other issues to manage that could make this short through-hike a difficult one. You're listening to the P-Rag Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Like the small backpacking essential of the same name, the P-Rag shares the unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. Thanks so much to Belega for supporting the P-Rag, makers of the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. Also, Lecky Trekking Poles, holding up this blissful hiker, and they act as supports for the Alley Coop, too, my tent. Richard and I drove up to Grand Marais on the north shore of Lake Superior in bumper-to-bumper leaf-peeping traffic, only made more annoying by a heavy downpour. But this morning, it's clear skies. The fall colors so intense, the air seems to pulsate and glow. The western third of the Keck was burned to the ground by the Ham Lake fire, and opportunistic herbaceous plants regenerating the undulating landscape include aspen, bright yellow now, and a bit of maple in such a deep red it could almost be called purple. 
Richard walks in with me a few miles before we kiss goodbye, turn around, and walk in opposite directions. It's always a little unsettling to turn my back and move away into the unknown. What awaits me ahead, I wonder? Fantasy writer Ursula K. Le Guin writes, The only thing that makes life possible is permanent, intolerable uncertainty, not knowing what comes next. Of course, I have a rough idea of what I'll encounter in these four days, and even have a rough plan of distances, best camp spots, the weather, etc. What I don't know is how I'm going to manage. Earlier this week, I learned that my right hip joint is worn down to the nubs, and the left is not far behind. I got a cortisone shot, but that's only going to buy me time. I'm going to have to get both of them replaced, and soon. I'm moving well, even if my gait is wobbly, and I rely on my sticks to stay upright as I negotiate rocky and uneven surface. Osteoarthritis runs in my genes, and I knew this day was going to come, just not quite this soon. That's the reason I requested a leave of absence from my job two years ago to walk my first long-distance thru-hike, the Te Araroa, in New Zealand. I count myself incredibly lucky that I managed not just one, but two thru-hikes, and absolutely pain-free. Well, I guess going forward I'll be known as the blissful bionic hiker, and I pop in a few more ibuprofen before I waddle along, flushing two ruffed grouse who flap their wings in a spastic panic that lifts their bodies just enough to clear one side of the trail to the other. I pass open mine pits from the 19th century, fences in place to keep people from slipping in. At aptly named Mine Lake, trail crews cut a steep detour straight up, then straight back down to avoid a notoriously wet section. A yellow-bellied flycatcher comes closer when I call. But he makes no sound back to me as the wind shakes the limb he perches on, leaves falling like gilt snow. I soon enter the Boundary Waters wilderness, stopping for a drink at the stunning campsite at Bingshik Lake with views on three sides. Seven hikers come my way with big smiles and even bigger pruning loppers. It's the trail crew! I gush with gratitude for the work that they do as I coax them into a photo, looking fierce with their tools. I didn't realize we were celebrities, one of them comments. Indeed, they are. I come to a section of moss-covered rocks and sun-dappled light, massive erratics isolated right where they were dropped by ice sheets thousands of years ago. Views look out to waves of golden aspen surrounding chains of azure lakes, a banditry of black-capped chickadees whirr as they flit from tree to tree. I'm on a ridge, but out of views for a moment, and I suddenly have a hankering for a handful of mango I dehydrated before leaving. Just like on all my hikes, I keep walking as I shove my sticks under my left armpit and reach into my right pocket, and right then, my foot grabs a stump hidden beneath the grass. I try valiantly to right myself, but... Instead, I flail about, landing with a thud on my shoulder, followed by a kind of afterthought of a faceplant. And I do find it humorous that my first instinct is to look behind me to see if I have an audience. Brushing off bits of dried grass stuck to my blouse, 
I realize I'm not the same strong walking person I was on the Te Araroa or the PCT. I'm not hurt this time. A squall fogs my view as I gingerly cross a beaver dam of stacked logs, their teeth-sharpened points cemented together with mud. Then I work my way to Agamok Bridge, spanning a cataract cut through ancient magma. The campsite here has two verandas on opposite lakes, and it's absolutely deserted. As if it wasn't enough to give this thru-hike a try on worn-out hips, I also experiment with cold-soak meals, dispensing entirely with my stove. Talk about not knowing precisely what comes next. I take my first bite of a noodle recipe from a company I'm reviewing. And friends, nothing ever tasted so good. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. By sharing my stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, middle-aged female hiker, I hope I can empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. You can subscribe to The P-Rag wherever you get your podcasts. And if you take the time to write a review at Apple or iTunes, that really helps other people find the podcast. Rain, rain, and more rain all night long. The trail leaves the lake behind and heads directly into forest, which is dark, wet, and slippery, the rocky path getting harder for me to negotiate. But now my sticks are firmly in hand, and they stab bright red maple leaves, stacking them like an old-fashioned receipt spindle. The brush acts as a car wash, and I sweat under my jacket, out of breath on a steep track. I'm supposed to come to a view, but every time I ascend to what looks like a clearing, I go right back down again. The trail is actually quite obvious, but it's hard walking, and it's starting to look, as my friend Neil in Christchurch would say, samey. And maybe that's why I get kind of mesmerized and unwisely put my foot directly on a root and wipe out fast like I'm wearing roller skates, my face up close and personal with a moist slab of leaves. But I love the pungency, the spiciness of the smell mixed with a thick but fleeting balsam that seems to pretend life rather than decay. Ahead is a pond with a giant beaver house, so old half of it is sporting grass, and I cross his dam as it begins to rain. I'm warm heading up steeply now, though it's hard to know just exactly how far I need to go before I need to turn. Judging from my map, it's up, down, then up again. But the trail is not as clean as topographical lines, and after an hour, even on this ankle-twisting, blissful-tripping terrain, I'm fairly certain I've walked the two miles to the junction. But I never see it, and I begin heading steeply down. A bit of a view to a massive lake opens to my left, and then to an even bigger lake to my right. Wait a minute. This trail is heading down to that lake, and the two lakes are actually one and the same. A flurry of F-bombs fly from my mouth as I head back up, But even crippled, I'm naturally gifted at going up. I mean, let's face it, you wipe out less often. I come upon a few blue ribbons I hadn't noticed before, 
so I guess I'm back on trail. But why am I never seeing the junction? This is a job for the compass. In the gloom, everything is samey. I mean, I could actually be walking right back where I started, like a scene from Groundhog Day. So I set the dial to north, then spin the base plate so my direction of travel is heading southwest, and I hold it up to the map. Yup, this is the right way. But I ask again, speaking to absolutely no one in this thick boreal forest, how in God's green earth did I miss the intersection? Not just coming, but going. Well, the answer to that question is never forthcoming. And maybe it just doesn't matter. I pass a tree completely overtaken by white fungus. Now, there's no way I would have passed this without stopping for a picture. In a few more minutes, I come to a blue triangle nailed to a tree reading Keck, with arrows pointing east and west. Nice, guys, but I really could have used that sign back at the intersection. The path now is overtaken with massive ferns, dried tan and crumbling. A few white pines survived the Cavity Lake fire, which must have burned hot, leaving several towering sentinels blackened and solitary. But the fire opened the view of sprawling blue lakes below cliffs of gold. Aspen and showy yellow flutter like thousands of jazz hands. A woodpecker pounds into one of the towering trunks. It rains all night at Strupp Lake, petering out to a drizzle the following day on a long, mostly flat trail through woods. And my hip protests less, and I move along smoothly on a wet carpet of yellow, orange, and red. I pass a beaver pond, misty in the drizzle, black stumps reaching into the gloom. I cross another spectacular beaver dam of mud and humpy grass, and I'm exactly at the level of the water with a healthy drop to my right. I can't see a house, but I hear a huge warning splash as a vole peeks out at me from the sticks, then darts right back under. The trail heads on through alder, turning yellowish-green and spruce in perfect Christmas tree shapes. A man comes towards me. James, I yell. Bliss! It's the young trail worker from two days ago, now starting his journey. He tells me about campsites ahead on a spur trail, ones not listed on canoeists' maps. The sun comes out just as I reach the cutoff marked by a pink ribbon, and I find an ideal spot with a rock veranda on Benazee Lake, mirroring puffy white clouds in its tranquil surface. A few rain droplets fall, disturbing the water in silent rings. I stay for the show until they begin to pelt down harder in a ricochet of plinks and plunks, causing me to dive into the alley coop. But it doesn't last long, and I return to Maxfield Parish colors, the clouds seemingly lit from inside. To the south, an enormous thunderhead in the shape of a wise woman in a billowing blouse glows orangey-pink, Jagged zigzags of lightning are followed by menacing thunder. I spy the first star of the night, though I'm pretty sure its orange brightness means it's Mars. And just then, as if to cap off all I've seen, a gold orb sneaks out of hiding, and I realize I'm facing east. I don't even need to turn my head to see the full moon rising. 
As she sneaks back behind a cloud, the rain returns, so I crawl in for my final night on the keck, knowing that even if I can't see the moon just now, she's always there, as is the sun, which I wake up to not exactly brilliant, but keeping the rain at bay for now. It's a short walk to the road over a beaver dam and steeply up to viewpoints of Snowbank Lake amidst a carpet of gold. About a mile or so from the end, I come around a bend, and there's Richard, followed by two of my best friends. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be met on the other side by such happy faces, ready to let me tell them every last detail of my hike as we move quickly back to our cars, making it just in time before it begins raining again. Spiritual leader Marianne Williamson urges us that the key to abundance is meeting limited circumstances with unlimited thoughts. When I told my big brother Eric that I had to have two hip surgeries and was feeling pretty depressed about the whole thing, he promptly messaged me back, don't be depressed, in all caps. Life is a stokathon. It's a bag of blessings. I guess I should point out here that Eric is a surfer living in Southern California. But he's right. Hiking in rain, falling down twice, and getting kecked also twice, all while Father Time is knocking urgently at the door of my life, I still possess power to choose whether I accept with grace what I encounter or kick and scream in protest. The challenge is to keep saying yes to whatever I can wring out of life, in spite of its hardships and uncertainty. And now, off-trail and full of good food and good conversation, the Stokathon bag of blessings enters my life as I take my sore body into a sauna. Thanks so much for the support from Belega, the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. And also Lecky trekking poles. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lecky's should be in your hands. If you enjoy the storytelling, please subscribe and go ahead and rate it. Better yet, write a review at Apple Podcasts. Reviews help others find the podcast. The music you're hearing is me playing my flute from many years ago. You can find the music on iTunes. And you can also go back and listen to any of the episodes of The P-Rag, where I hike in New Zealand and also on Isle Royale in Lake Superior. You can also read about my hikes all over the world and catch some gear reviews for an actual P-Rag and other essential backpacking items. All of it is at the website, theprag.com. Next week, I hope you'll join me as we head back to the Te Araroa, New Zealand's long pathway. Until then, my friends, happy trails. <laughs> <laughs>